Hello, everyone. This is Manny, your host of Find Your Sauce. Today, we have a very special guest, Chow, who will be talking to us about her handbag brand. Very excited to hear Chow's story. She started this, I believe, in early 2022. She has tons of experience before that in marketing. And I want to understand how she came to creating this brand. So, Chow, before I get into it, would you like to introduce yourself as well to everyone yes. who's listening? Sure. Uh, my name is Chow Signs. Chow, like hello, goodbye in Italian. Signs is like I see the signs. <laughs> Helps people register and remember. And I started my luxury handbag business, you know, early 2022, like you said. And it's really about um, merging functionality, organization with high-end luxury materials uh, to make a product that is really all about how a person uses a bag day-to-day as well as how it could be long-lasting so that you can and not have it wear and tear. So making sure that it's becomes sort of a legacy brand for you. Got it. And to that point right there, like I saw your mission across the social medias to help you enable your own legacy. What do you mean by that? And where did this come from? It really started with this funny story about my mom. She was helping me move to San Francisco. And I remember we just moved into the house. All the boxes have just arrived. And my husband had left to work. I just woke up, bathrobe, you know, the works. I hadn't even gotten my coffee yet. I said I was going to go outside to get the mail. I mean, it's like 10 in the morning. And my mom said, why? I was like, what, what do you mean? She goes, are you going to go out like that? And I said, it's fine. I'm just going out to the front yard. She goes, no, not like that. Your neighbors are going to see. I said, what do you mean? <laughs> They're not at home. And she said, well, yes, this time, but you shouldn't make it a habit to do that. And obviously she had more intention behind that. And ultimately it was really about her reminding me that even though now I've become a stay-at-home mom, which was not something I'd planned, but gratefully accepted because it was an opportunity for me to spend time with my son, but also not to forget who I was, right? I used to be a working mom. I dressed up. I had a social calendar, but now I'm going to be focused on this little human and I shouldn't forget me. And it was very poignant in time that she pointed that out subtly because over the next couple of years after that, I would notice when I go out to play dates and taking my son to activities, moms across were in the same boat. Like some of us joked that we didn't remember if we brushed our teeth or combed our hair that morning. And we were in like what we woke up or whatever my child spit on me. And just going out for one night for dinner was a lot of work for us. And, but once we got out and dressed up, we felt like ourselves, right? I, believe that combination and what my training in going to learn the art of handbag making trained by a leather artisan from Hermes really taught me to think about the true functionality of how we use our bag and how we see ourselves, right? Our bags are truly an extension of who we are, right? If you look in a bag, you can tell a story of every woman or every person that carries it whether it's for them or for their child or for their husband, because sometimes we carry stuff for our husbands. And it really reflects on who we are as a caregiver, as someone who thinks of others. And we don't ever get to be reminded that we need to think of ourselves. And I think in my mission, I really want us to remember that once you take care of yourself and think positively and move about your day, then you can truly be there for everyone else and still be happy. And that that way, your legacy is more than just about being a service to others, right? It's truly about finding that joy and willingly help because you're truly happy with yourself. Amazing. (laughs) I really like that story. So (laughs) how does that transition into you acting on your mission through your brand? Like, how are you enabling your audience to create their own legacy through your handbags? I would say my subtle designs, I would call it my very intentional design, right? So when you look at handbags, everyone kind of sees it objectively as a fashion statement or just something to carry things because it needs to be done. But what if you stepped back and looked at your 
objects that you carry more as a manifestation of what it is that you want in life. And if you could carry that with you throughout your day, would it open the doors? Would it change your mindset? It totally can. People carry charms. People carry crystals. Anything that gives them good luck. I mean, people even wear certain colors, right, to kind of give them that boost or that heel to feel taller and confident. So when I designed my bag, I made sure that those things were included in those mindset, right? So from the pink inside, where it not only contributes to you know my name originally, but also pink and feng shui means self love and positivity. So if you were to open your bag every time and use it and you see that pink and you know that's the true meaning, how would that change your mindset? It would say positivity, right? I had a recent example personally where I was sitting in the doctor's office to get my mammogram. Now, it wasn't my first mammogram. It was where I was coming back because they found something in my right breast. And it was the first time that I got called back to say, hey, you need to get an ultrasound. You need to get um, another mammogram, which freaked me out, right? Because I've never had that before in the last few years that I've done this. And usually when you go in and change, I would put my bag in the locker room and just sit there. And they said, you can carry your bag or your phone with you. And I said, great, because I needed a distraction. As they called my name to go, I opened my bag to put my purse in and I saw my pink. And for the first time, it told me to think positively. Like, I know I get those subtle hints every day and I'm always Mm -hmm. tend to be a positive person. But in that moment, I so needed it because I was freaking out. Obviously, all my friends were like, it's fine. This is the norm. A lot of people get called back all the time. I said, great, but you can't help what you feel, right? Because it's scary. And if it's the first time that's happening to you, you don't know what to expect. So Mm -hmm. I saw that and I quickly said, it's okay. It's going to be positive, like good news, right? And in the end, it did, which is great. But just to have that moment of subtle reminder was everything that I needed. And that's amazing how you're serving your audience based off your life experience. I feel like that's one of the best ways someone could build their brand is like build it around you, right? Because mm-hmm. if you, there's other people in our community who have a similar interests as you, similar lifestyle as you. And the fact that you are basing it off your own life experiences right now, like that you will need that subtle reminder, right? That, 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 that little pink right there. Right. Like even with, with my clothing brand, I'll have like a hidden message on the inside of the hat. Right. It'll be like the defiant pursuit is not for the weak. Right. It's a very subtle message. People can't see it unless you put in a certain lighting. And it's just for you. And like what you needed to hear mm-hmm. from, from, from a brand, basically. And yeah. I'm guessing your audience feels the same way. It's like when you do open that pink and they see it, not like it's to show everyone around them, but it's just a reminder to themselves. Yeah. And it's a pink that's very noticeable. So even if you know the true meaning and others don't, people will take note. Like I've had people say, oh my God, I love the pink. And then you get the opportunity to have those positive conversations. And then you don't know who you inspire or who you change the mindset, right? It's just every little moment could change someone's thinking and it could just set their day on a really positive direction. And that's all it's truly about is to kind of, pass that good energy and vibe out as much as possible. So is that kind of what you're thinking about intentionally when creating your brand DNA across your products is like, how do I create a sense of happiness for someone like a a, a moment to relax? Is that what you think about when, when you're trying to cater towards, I'm guessing moms are your audience more. Moms, working women, anyone that is consistently busy uh, consistently uses a bag for just not only for fashion, but also for, you know, for good reasons that because they need it mm-hmm. to carry their things, to keep them organized. I truly think about it from the aspect of the ground up, right? Like, what do I carry in my bag? What do I need? What do I do with it? How do I get things in and out? Which is why I decided to do a hidden wallet, right? Where I have my credit card slots on the exterior. So it's easy to grab because one of the frustrating things for me is when I'm going to store to store and I try to grab my credit card to pay half the time, I can't find it once it goes back in the wallet because 
it's stuffed with things or I'm in a hurry. I just end up putting it in my pocket because I can't find the slot, things like that. So really, truly thinking about the use on a day to day that will make you feel more calm, more less stressful, just the ease of use of it. Because when you feel any slight of frustration throughout the day, it could change your path in your thinking, which is normal. It's it's very hard as humans to be consistently happy all day long, right? To be consistently positive. But if there are things that you use on the day-to-day that can help keep you in that positive path or keep you in that calm, it would vibrate more good positive energy during the day more so than leading down to the path of frustration or irritation or annoyance got it okay so when you're creating your products you create it in attention of their lifestyle Mm -hmm. right how does this bag and add value to the day-to-day life yes okay amazing and what made you think of using your name as your brand right because some people would be like i don't want to use my name some people are like i want to think of something completely different what made you think okay no i'm gonna put chow as the brand name it was a long struggle, I would say, to kind of come up with being okay with using my name. Originally, you know, my last name was Lou. That was my maiden name. So I had Clue. I get a clue. But the idea of what Clue looked like back then, when I first came up with the idea, was slightly different. It was more like a makeup organizer. And as I evolved and time has evolved, and where I am in my life, it's not the same anymore. So coming up with a new name, it was a really hard path. But one of the things that I always went back to is how strong a name should be. Even when I came to naming my son or or anything, my mom was very influential in that way. And like all Asian American kids, when you come here, you change your Asian name, right? Just because it's easier. You want to be more Americanized. And I did that for one summer. (laughs) I changed all my friends changed our names. And I had a thing about making the name where it could be shortened like a boy because it's strong. And if I put a boy's name on my resume, I have more chances of getting called in for an interview, you know, that mindset back then. Right. Uh, But I never got used to the name for the entire summer when they would call me the American name, I would never answer. Right. So I realized quickly that I'm not used to it. And then my mom finally tells me the story of how she came to name me. And it started with being in Vietnam and how traditionally the name gets picked by your father-in-law. Right. And respectfully, she let my father-in-law, her father-in-law, name me and he didn't know what to name me. So he asked an advice from a woman in the village who had like six girls and she chose my name after the hospital I was born in. So Hamwa was the name of the hospital and it means pink flower, pink rose, however you want to interpret it. And it sounds really pretty when you say it. And mm-hmm. that's what he thought like, oh, it's a pretty name for a pretty girl. Like it's a girl, right? And my mother very progressive in her time, right? She thought it was nice, but not strong. She wanted a strong name because she believed the name really defined the character of the person. And respectfully, she didn't say anything. She accepted it until we escaped Vietnam and got caught the first time. And I got sick. And in Vietnam, or traditionally in what we believe culturally, if you're sick and you're not feeling well and you want to change your path to get well, you kind of change uh, the way you do things. So my mom technically gave me up to a mom at these temples who then gave me these herbal medicine and took care of me. And I lived with them for like six months. So she gave me up for six months and that changes your destiny path. And when she did that, she also took the opportunity to ask my grandfather respectfully if she could change my name to continue that path so that we've redirected in good health instead of going back to the old ways, right? So- my mom's very clever. She does it very respectfully. So she added chow and chow is pronounced chow in Vietnamese, which could mean one or two things. It could mean pearl or it could mean an ox, but either way to her, it's a very strong person. And, you know, with the pearl in mind, you know, it's whether lost or found, it's always kind of stands on its own. Right. So she wanted her daughter to be strong no matter what. And with that, my grandfather was, was okay with it. It wasn't until we went to when we finally escaped to Thailand and did the paperwork to come to America, then she just dropped Hum 
chow all together. So it's just chow. So knowing that story and knowing how hard it was to get to my name and knowing when I'm going down this path of building my brand and I couldn't come up with a name that I felt was suitable. And like most entrepreneurs, you want something that kind of separates you from the brand. I was like, well, this is my DNA. Like everything that I'm doing encompasses my own experience, my own story, my own life, my own intention for people in wanting to really spread positivity that it made sense to do my name and to kind of have it all tied together. So it's truly authentic and people can find value in the story and the brand. And it wasn't easy, <laughs> but I accepted it and still, still not easy for me because. Which part, which part right now is not easy right now to really take well, just, Is it an imposter syndrome? Maybe a little bit. That, yes. I, yeah. A little bit of that because I'm not, I didn't go down the traditional path of like, Parsons Design School or worked in luxury magazines or even like luxury business and handbags of any sort. I don't have any of those connections. And so there was part of that. It says, who am I to name my bag, my, my name, right? Mm-hmm. Like, who do I think I am? But I think one of the things that you I have to realize is I am who I am. And I believe in myself and I believe in what I do and I'm passionate and that's all that it matters, right? Because no one can tell you who you are. I mean, they can, but at the you end of the day, listen. you don't have to listen. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to be you, got to do what you believe in and put whatever good that you think that people need and that you believe that could help and just go with it. And if people buy into it, then great. If they don't, then there's always someone else. <laughs> there's always someone else that will. And that's exactly it. So I want to touch on that point a little bit more about imposter syndrome starting up a luxury brand, right? Cause like your products are, are not um, the most affordable right off the bat for someone, right? Yes. They are more on the high end price, right? Mm-hmm. The quality speaks for itself. So does a brand, but what did it take for you to say, I'm going to sell a $2,000 handbag, but it's going to be valuable to the person and they're going to get more value other than the monetary exchange. But what gave you the confidence to, I'm going to do this? and sell the handbag at this price point? I would say a lot contributed to the fact that I was trained by an Hermes trained leather artisan. So I really learned the true root of what it takes to make a high quality bag. That was Mm -hmm. the the game changer for me because I did go in with the idea of trying to make it more affordable and wanting to keep a nice quality product enough. But I didn't really understand what that meant until I was certified and started using the materials and then learning from my teacher who's Emma's trained. She makes Birkin bags. Like she literally you could have her make one. She would which she would never do because ethically that's wrong. So and she's very mm-hmm. uh, and a really good person. So and I think that combination just really put me on a different viewpoint of how products are made. And I start going out looking at bags and really seeing how quality over quantity and how we're just saturated with different options and bags. And so from you, that- you specialize in the craft first, like that's what you wanted to do to make sure that your quality, you were fully knowledgeable of what it took to make a high quality bag before yes. you started to make any bag. Yes. And I personally handmade my first prototype. So I know what work it takes in. I know what the leather artisans do to make sure, and I could see it from their technique. And I think that's very important for me to put out a product that isn't just mass produce, you know, just over time, just churned in from a machine. I wanted to make sure that what I produce has good intentions, has good use and and lasts because that's the whole point of it. And when I went out and did it, Uh, I learned quickly that all the little things that I've created takes time, right? Like all the little pockets, all the extra hardware, all the little organizations, those are added hours and time of the artisans that make them. I mean, it took me two weeks to make one bag and that was me working a little bit every day, right? Mm -hmm. If I worked all day on it, obviously I could have done it like in less time, but you know, as a mom, (laughs) a chef, a chauffeur and everything else at home, I was able to finish in two weeks because I only had two weeks left of cat class. And that and this was just 90% of what I wanted to, to do because my teacher's like, if you want to graduate, you need to just back off all that pockets and things. So I didn't do the full scale, but it was enough for me to know 
what it took to make my bag. So when I took it to leather artisans in Italy, they saw the instant quality. They saw the instant work that I put into the detail of it that they've never seen in any other bags. It's rare for them, I would say, to have a designer come to them with a certified leather artisan background. Most designers just have either design background or experience working in the field and have the sketches, but to have a physical prototype that I've hand-stitched myself was to them impressive. And mind you, they are leather artisans that had been around for 50 years and it was passed down to his family and he makes stuff for Chanel. And so for him to accept me to work with me exclusively on very small production was a, an honor, but also he just loved working with other artisans, right? So I think just the the timing and the faith of where the path led me, it, it sent me here. It wasn't something I wanted. It wasn't something I intended for, but I believe when you open yourself up to what you love to do and you accept the path that like nudges you to do certain things like this class and, and meeting these people and just going with it, it eventually evolves into something that it's beyond what you imagined. And it's more beautiful that way. And that's how I came to make my product the way I did. I mean, it's a very difficult business to break in luxury and nobody in their right mind would do that. <laughs> like, like sometimes I think, why didn't I just make like a $200 bag and just sell it on Amazon and, you know, be rich. But I, I don't feel that way. Like that's not my goal in life is to. Those weren't the cards that are dealt to you. you no. You were in a different path. And you it, wouldn't be as fulfilled doing that, right? Because like right now, the way you speak about your bags and experience you want to deliver, you won't be able to do that with a $200 bag. And then. I guess it's another aspect to more than just the monetary gain you're going to get from this, right? It's like what impact you want to leave with your brand. And, and that's very important too, right? Like what brand do you really want to build? And to your experience, I mind something very similar. When I started my clothing brand, first off, it was called Limitless Wear. Then it got changed to Defiant Supply. And then we eventually evolved to Defiant Regime, right? Mm -hmm. But First, I'm like, okay, I want to build an athletic brand, right? I want to do athletic clothing, right? Mm -hmm. I think that was like the, the the hot thing at the time. Then I realized like, yes, I'm very much into fitness and stuff, but I don't really care to do fitness clothing at that much, right? Like I want to do small little detailing in my clothing, little hidden messages, campaign videos. I want to tell stories. And I'm like, then I, then I changed my whole positioning. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to a luxury market because right? that's where I want to see my brand. So mm -hmm. I get exactly where you're coming from with that. Yeah, I agree. So, so let's take it back. So you're a working mom, right? So when you launched this brand, I believe your, your son was seven years old, six, seven years old? Yes. Okay. How did you do that? Like being a mom, you're wearing so many hats, right? Um, I'm sure you you had your corporate job too. So like, how did you go from having this well-established career in marketing to then, okay, I have a kid who's seven years old and now I'm going to launch a brand too. What did it take to make action on that for other moms who are considering to build something like their, their own, but then they feel like they don't have the time, they're probably in a different phase of their life and maybe they shouldn't do it. How, what, what would you say to them? I, I would say timing is everything. And also the little nudges, the little voices inside that tells you to do it. And I, I believe all the combination of those two propels you to, to do it and just jump right in. Right. I, luckily when I was working in corporate, I had my mom to help me and she made, me going back to work very easy. I could have had 10 more kids with her. <laughs> but when we moved to San Francisco, I couldn't justify a nanny and handing my paycheck to her because it was really expensive to live here. So I left and was kind of dedicated to my son for a few years. And I knew eventually I would go back. But at that point, I had been waiting for so long to start my own thing that I said, this is it. If I don't do it now, I'm going to be in my deathbed thinking about it and regretting it. And whether it succeeds or fail, I will be happy to know that I've tried, right? And 
it was baby steps, you know, just taking the class, getting certified. And it wasn't until like right before COVID that I said, okay, I'm going to start talking to different partners and seeing how we could make this work to produce my bags and who should I work with. And then when 2020 hit, I obviously took a break. And I remember a year later, you know, we had vaccines and things were safe and everything was opening up. I was in Hawaii. It was our first vacation ever just to kind of relax and, and get out of our shelter in place for like a year and a half that I stood out looking in the ocean and I listened to whatever the voice that says it's time. You've been wanting to do this. You took a break. It's time. There's no more excuses, right? There's nothing else to tell you. You can't. I flew home and I started to sketch to finalize my design. I left it open to seeing what partners would come out of it and started talking to people and revisiting everything and everything started to roll ball and it felt just right. And I knew in that moment, I'm not stopping. Like I'm just going to let it go. As we launched the reality of mom life, you know, wife life started to hit. And I was like, Oh snap. Like, how do I do this? What did I get myself into? What? Yeah. What did I get myself into? How am I going to start this high end luxury brand and maintain this, you know, look and feel when I feel like the complete opposite right now, right. With trying to make sure my son gets fed, his schedule's still intact, you know, juggling my husband, working all the time and making sure he's healthy. And we have family time still because we do family dinners and that we still have our weekends and I'm not what most entrepreneurs think they are is working 24 seven because that's not life anymore, right? It doesn't matter how much I work if I'm not happy. And if there's no balance, then it's pointless. It's, it's not a, a passion. It's not the love and the joy that you want to put out in the world anymore. And I would say the first month or so it was, it was a little hard and it's really about feeling and letting go the stress of putting myself in this ambitious goal of having to achieve and accepting that I can only do so much and that whatever it is that I can do, I should appreciate that I did them. Not, oh my gosh, of the hundred things you only did 50, what is wrong with you? You are, you are failing as an entrepreneur, but you finished everything with your child today. So you're great. But then the next day is like, you didn't do everything you said you were going to do with your child, but you finished everything. You know, like it's this, this mind of constantly battling this ping pong of like failing, not failing, failing, not failing, failing, not failing. Right. And just finally just say, you know what? I did this so that I could have something of my own with flexibility and that there are things that I need to do, but it's okay. I am beholden to myself and just to kind of lay off that pressure and stress because you, you've already gotten all those things over the years in life with external bosses, right? You don't need to do that to yourself. And I think accepting that. And then of course, like I design my bags to give me positive and calm and confidence. <laughs> I, I didn't design this bag to push myself to be chaotic and crazy and trying to, be appearing to like be so successful. Those things will come as long as I'm happy on the inside. And I think creating this and then seeing how happy my son is when he sees my bag, you know, I remember when we first went to visit my partners in Italy, this is something I've never imagined. I've imagined going to visit my, my partners and, and meeting the leather artisans and, you know, running around Italy and enjoying everything about it. But Having my husband and my son there was beyond my dream, right? To see their eyes, to see my son drawing my logo and creating his own little bag in the sketch and just being in awe that mom's bag is in production and it's being made next to Chanel, even though he didn't know what Chanel bag was, but I did. Uh, it was it was more than what I dreamed of. And it was exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. It's because I find joy in it and my success is my own definition, not others. And the happiness that I was able to share this joy with my family, my boys was beyond anything. And I, I would do it all over again, the way That's it is. Amazing. 
and yeah. it's, it's the journey right that you're falling in love with who you're becoming who your kid sees you becoming as well at the same time and you're inspiring him like wow look at mom managing everything she's doing right now yeah and he's seen like some of my customers wear my bag out at a park he comes running up to me goes mommy mom she has your purse she has your purse <laughs> and and i i just love that he he's just as involved and it it find it makes me feel happy that i've had found some sort of a balance because he hasn't felt otherwise, other than the fact that he thinks I'm on my phone too much sometimes. <laughs> but I think... You know, That's not opinion, going nowhere as an entrepreneur. You're always going to be on your phone. It's so hard <laughs> not to be. Especially if your email app's on there, like you're going to always be getting something. That's yeah. for sure. And you're always trying to look at trends and TikTok and trying to mm-hmm. keep up with it. And yeah. But, you know, I've been mindful of that so that uh, he does... You know, I do that when he's in bed. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly you've built up certain tactics, certain management tools to help you navigate mom life, wife life, um, business owner life. So what are some tips and tricks would you tell other moms that, that want to take on this endeavor, want to manage their life at home? What would you tell them? Like from time management to make sure the mental health's good. Do you have any tips to tell them? Yes, I would say find yourself a group of like-minded entrepreneurs, right? I've always believed in that. Even when I started out my career after college, I've always gone to networking events. I've always cultivated these meeting groups. Even before I was an entrepreneur, I would host these entrepreneur meeting once a month with women founders to kind of encourage a place of support and even want it more so now that I am actually an entrepreneur. I have met a few last year from an accelerator program and we've become each other's number one fan, our number one venting support group from anything from mom life to like just not feeling like we've succeeded in our days or even felt like we didn't make a little impact in what we are trying to do or even failing as a mom. And it has helped so much just to get through the day to day, right? Because being an entrepreneur is such a roller coaster ride, and you have this mind of like messing with you to think you're not doing well. Because again, we're very ambitious, and you know that's why we're entrepreneurs. And we don't if we don't see these big milestones, we think we're failing, but we forget that we have to celebrate these small wins, right? And that is very, very, very helpful. And I I encourage Aaron, anyone who wants to go down this entrepreneurship road is to surround yourself with like-minded people that you trust and and whether it's just two or three people. I even host a monthly coffee meetup with a couple's moms. I have actually a couple of them and we're very encouraging of each other. We're very supportive of each other. And that really keeps you motivated, you know, month by month because it's hard. And also nowadays there's so many accelerator programs, so many free, uh, classes and sessions from Verizon to Chase to NASDAQ that you can join and really learn the backbone of being an entrepreneur from, you know, how to open your business, how to get your license, how to trademark, things like that, that it's already readily available for you. I know that back in the day when I worked and network amongst um, the entrepreneur tech people in Seattle, there wasn't much of that. It was really hard to find and it's, and the path wasn't as easy, but now I would say if you don't have any idea to start down that way and just take it all in, learn as much as you can, and then put yourself in a place where you are around like-minded people to kind of give you that boost and that motivation. Cause that truly helps. And anytime you feel like you're not succeeding, like that group will just snap you back in, you know, and tell you that you're doing amazing. You're doing group, give you ideas, kind of continue to encourage you that, that is something that I value so much uh, since I started. And I didn't realize how much I would need it until those moments came and they were tr- truly there for me. 100%. Like during COVID, so I launched my brand in February 2020. And oh I, yeah, I know it, it, it was a shit show at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to get into the shit show, but what I wanted to say is that. You are a great man. <laughs> Um, they did not know what was going to come after launching, right? Uh, but what I want to say is that I basically built the brand in my 
my basement, right? And like I was so stuck being alone all the time, not having anyone to talk with. I was very isolated. And when I launched, I didn't really talk to other anyone else except my own self in my head. And mm-hmm. it was it's wrong to do that because like, you could go down a bad spiral and not not realizing that what you work is actually pretty good, or mm-hmm. if it's bad, right? You have your own biases that you conclude with without even in asking another person's perspective, right? So getting in groups like that is really good, just seeing another better perspective. Totally. And two, just to get in, just to understand someone else is going the same journey as you, right? Yeah. Like this is normal what you're feeling right now. It's not that you're a shitty entrepreneur. This is the journey. This is why not everyone does it, right? So having that understanding, okay, like I'm not the only one going through this, right? Because that's that's the main thing. We isolate ourselves in this journey and we put ourselves down. So it's really good to have that group, that support group, like you said, and you can learn from people, right? Like it's so many times when I speak to entrepreneurs in the same space that we talk about different marketing strategies. I'm like, oh, they're doing this. Like, that's really cool, right? For example, one idea that I've learned recently is do a mystery box. Right? Why not do a mystery box giveaway and then set a certain price for the mystery box? No one knows what's going to be in the mystery box, right? But they buy it. It could end up with maybe a $2,000 handbag if they bought a $1,000 mystery box, or they might end up with something else. And it'll create such a hype, right? Especially around the holiday season. So that's something I'm going to start incorporating my brand in the end of this year is I'm going to be giving out five mystery boxes. And you don't know what's going to come in it, but if you want to take the risk and play your cards, go with it yep it's amazing it's uh it's really helpful and very inspiring because you you never know how ideas get derived from right i talk to Mm -hmm. people all the time i spent i think in the beginning of my launch last year in this accelerated program but taking the time to meet everyone because there was a hundred uh, women entrepreneur, entrepreneurs in this group, and, but we're in cohort groups. So there's only 10 of us at a time, but I took the time outside of the 10 that I'm constantly meeting with to have sessions with everyone else. And the ideas and the support was so amazing, right? The first thing they would say to me is, how can I support you? How, what do you need? How can I help you? Even though we're not even in the same business, right? I mean, we had someone who was in yoga or owning a cafe and she's like, how can I help you with your luxury brand? And I was just blown away from all the the love and support. They saw my product. They're like, I want to help you even though I can't be a customer right now, but how can I propel you? How can I push you? And and I will always be so grateful for that because it really kept me believing in what I was doing because you will always have moments of self-doubt, you know, mm-hmm. and the imposter syndrome will always creep in. Like, who are you to be charging $2,000? Like, why do you think your bag's worth this much? Like, I'm like, because I worked really hard. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of labor that, you know, it's like you have all these justifications and, and you've gone through all that process before you launch. So, you know, but every once in a while, <laughs> that little devil next to you be like, mm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. You know, and it's it's nice to meet people that feel the same way and like, but encourages you so much. Mm-hmm. And you do the same for them, right? Mm-hmm. I had a friend who is starting this business and she, I can see her progress, right? I'm like, yeah, you're still in testing, but you've gotten so many grants and support and approval. Like it's freaking amazing. And she's forgotten about that because she's in this lag time of waiting for the next phase. Right? And mm-hmm. so when something is stalling because you're waiting for things, which is normal, you start to doubt yourself because there's no movement and it happens. And I told her, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. You've achieved so much in the last year since I met you and you don't even have a freaking product. Like mm-hmm. that's mind blowing. Like you're going to blow up the minute you have that product. You're just waiting for the approval. Cause the she just need to hear a second person to say it. Yes. Yes. And it changed her perspective that day. And now she's still running. Right. Obviously. And she's also my biggest supporter, but like just sometimes we see things differently for someone else than they see for themselves. Right. And you just need that boost. It's just, it's, it's it's amazing how how people can be so inspiring to you to yourselves and and being us re- surrounded by that we need it more than than anything these days right 
I agree. As entrepreneurs, you need a strong support group. Um, let's switch the topic a little bit. Let's go towards luxury marketing, right? Because as we had an initial conversation about this last week, right, we're saying it's not your normal DTC marketing. Yes, mm-hmm. there's some certain aspects that are similar, right? But marketing a luxury brand is different. And what's your take on it before we go into the details? It's hard. For sure. The easy part is that you already know the niche market, right? You already have the status of the demographic. It's difficult to break into that niche market because those demographics can be very particular depending on how you reach them and how you present your brand. And they're also accustomed to a certain way high-end luxury design brand looks and feel. And obviously there's so much legacy brands out there that's very competitive in that sense. So you have to do things differently and you have to think differently, but yet you have to remain the status as like this balance game of being authentic, but yet maintaining this high-end luxury status, but not having the budget like the mm-hmm. design right, where they got millions to spend. So creating that new space and trying to market in that new space is is not easy <laughs> no it's it's not especially a grassroots budget is there any certain memorable marketing campaign that you might have done or certain marketing tactics that you might have done that help you position yourself as a luxury brand or help you bring you the right awareness towards your brand i I'm still working through that. I, we do a lot of uh, little tests with our limited budget. I would say that one of the things that's consistent when it comes to brand is brand credibility, right? Because you want the name to be recognizable. So working on these little baby steps of trying to achieve those little goals is my path with our limited budget, right? I can't just mm-hmm. pull out you know, millions of celebrity campaigns and things like that. So achieving those is is what I consider like these small big wins and getting featured in a French magazine and in a bizarre Vietnam magazine really shows me that I'm getting there in my small way. And it's Mm -hmm. really about building a brand in the small baby steps versus like trying to escalate an overnight million dollar sales in one year D2C type of brand. I actually just read uh, a brand recently that started small and it took him 10 years to really, before he even did a full fashion show. And his focus really stood the test of time of any economic change because of his approach of going slow and really just hitting the niche market and really being mindful of how he markets to his niche market. And I believe that for a small independent brand that's self-funded, that is the best approach is to be mindful of that so that you can withstand the test of time and the test of economics and really focus on creating high quality product that people can trust because they'll see over time that you've been consistent and transparent with your brand and your story and your authenticity. And the trust just continues to build from there. If you come out overnight and bam, it's great. But sometimes growing so fast can give you the inability to balance and maintain that growth. So if you're going slow and steady, then you're a strong foundation. Yes, exactly. So I would say for an independent high-end luxury brand, that's the best approach. Going slow and steady. Okay. So reset expectations. That's the one thing. I have to do with myself like, okay, if you really want to create this luxury brand, you have to be willing for the next 10 years to commit to this journey without expecting a dollar back. Like have that level of commitment, same way creators have on YouTube that you're going to do this for five, 10 years. And that's the expectation you should put to yourself. Not, I want to be an overnight success on TikTok. So exactly. I agree completely with you. And even goes to diluting your brand experience, right? It's like, there's that voice you had, okay, I want to focus on sales. I need sales, sales, sales. But it's like, do I want to dilute my brand experience? Do I want to put my product on Amazon? Do I, do I want to put it in these big retail shops 
where my brand doesn't really fit, but I know I'll get sales there. Yeah. Right. So it's about having that level of patience for yourself and just trusting that this will work eventually, but just don't move in a scarcity mindset. And it's very hard because I expect someone depending on the brand, but your sole income at the time, like you have to be sure you're in a comfortable space, whether that's you have a comfortable budget for your personal and your business life, whether you mm-hmm. have a side hustle going on, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why I, I launched my marketing agency, to be very honest, about two years back. I was, okay, running 100% of my brand. And then my dad actually came up to me one day and he was like, do you want to be a broke artist? Like, is that the life you want to live <laughs> for the next five, 10 years and then you make it? Or, or do you want to live comfortably? I'm yeah. like, okay, okay, you might be right there, right? So he's like, why not just take your skills you're learning here and go help other brands? Mm-hmm. And honestly, one of the best pieces of advice I got because that, I don't move in a scarcity mindset because of building my brand. It took me so long to get the product ready, ready to where it is, but I wasn't mm-hmm. willing to take any shortcuts because like, this is the brand I want. And so that's one piece of advice I'll tell anyone is like, don't move in a scarcity mindset and make sure you put yourself in an environment where you don't have that. Exactly. Yeah. So when it comes to luxury marketing, um, what's some tips you'll tell someone when starting off their luxury brand? Like what is so important? Yes. The understanding your audience persona, very important to do. Mm-hmm. Nail their day in their life, their pain points, your brand affinities all that good stuff. What else would you tell someone who wants to build a luxury brand? Understanding your your brand intrinsic value, knowing why you're doing what you're doing and take some of the advice with the grand assault, right? Like you know your brand the best, you know your product the best and you know what inside that made you do what you're doing and you need to go with that gut feeling. There's been so many times where I've been questioned my own ability as a designer, my own idea as what is how we should market in a luxury brand market and really be able to to differentiate who knows my brand and who knows my market space. And those are the things that only come when you truly believe in your brand and your product and what it's meant to do and how you want to service this and how you want to see it out in the world that you can stay focused and really decipher what advice to take and what your gut feeling tells you, right? I think that's something that you have to be consistent with and keep true to your heart. Otherwise you're going to get so lost and you're going to waver back and forth. I'm not saying I, I didn't, have these questions. I didn't stop to be like, wait, maybe they're right. No, I don't know. Or which is good. They're always good moments for you to reflect and really think through and to make sure you stand grounded. And as long as you know, deep down what it is that you're doing and, and go with what you're feeling and also be aware of the market and, and everything else and being honest, then you should be fine. It's, it's not easy. <laughs> no, it's not. And to follow up with that is like the ROI. When it comes to building building luxury brand, you do a lot of stuff that's not can't calculate. For example, doing guerrilla marketing campaign or getting yourself in a magazine the way you've done it, right? You can't really calculate the ROI. And probably there's a side of you from their corporate lifestyle, like I need to calculate the ROI for everything. And I need to know the numbers. Is this, is this even going to make sense? Is it worth my time doing this? Mm-hmm. How, what would you tell someone about that? When it comes to having a brand awareness campaign to where you can't calculate the ROI versus someone who wants to focus on conversions and wants some numbers, how do you navigate that balance with building a luxury brand? That's a good question. You're absolutely right. As a marketing, like in corporate, I have to always justify the numbers, right? I I would say, know what it is that you want out of it, right? And know firsthand, there's different ways. Either you get the sales in return or you just get the value of brand recognition. And that's something that you can't estimate in dollars. And then also the feeling of what it does when it gets out there. What do you get out in return? Are you getting a positive impact? Are you getting brand recognition? Are you getting 
the message across. Sometimes just the message, just the story is what you want more than anything. And whether or not you get any following or anything, at least it's put out there for you to reuse or to be able to have to reference and things like that. So when you look at the whole picture, it kind of gives you more ease. And when it comes to, you know, product brand, those are things that hold more value than dollars because it builds for future dollars. And you just don't know. And there are some risks that you'll have to take. And there have been nights where I've made decisions and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if that was a good idea. I don't look at how much is this going to cost me. And I would have sleepless nights. But then at the end of the day, if I didn't try it and I just sit dormant and be afraid, then I'm not really doing anything, right? right? And if I try a little bit of things that I'm comfortable with, just do what you're comfortable with uh, and talk to other people that maybe have gone through the experience and see and kind of compare. Did you do this for this? What did you get out of it? You know, and see what their experience was like, what what their thought process was. And it will tell you that you're doing the same thing, right? But you also have to apply it to your industry because not everyone's in the same marketplace. And I think that's it's that's always going to be a hard thing to do, but just see it as a whole picture more than just every dollar, right? And that's so hard because you feel like success is reflected on the dollar at the end of the day, right? And I have to accept that in the first few years of the business, I'm not going to reach that price of sales that I want yet. Who knows? I I, I could surprise myself and that it would change. Happen. It mm-hmm. could happen. But at the same time, you want to not focus so much on that because if you do, you'll have lots of lots of sleepless nights. So really focus on, you know, what it is that you want to put out. And and I believe the universe will always open those doors and bring back to you more than you'll ask. Do you have an example? Of that, like yeah, there were campaign that you were on the fence about, and it might have yielded good results, it might have not. But is there any campaign that comes to mind where, like, I don't know, this is a big risk, but I'm I'm gonna do it anyways. Yeah, I was asked to do a feature in a magazine for a French magazine, right? And it came out, and I was very hesitant because a, it's a French magazine. Like, is that really my market? But it is a very high end luxury magazine. Mm-hmm. I, I hummed and haw because, you know, I was told, you know, by certain people who I've worked with to like really focus on the U.S. market, really do it this way. Right. And I've always come in with this mindset that I'm different. Always done that. Right. Like I've gone the different path. I've designed mine differently. So I said to myself, why wouldn't I do things differently? <laughs> like, well, who am I to say no to something if the opportunity presents itself, right? Like there's nothing about me that should say no to anything that's big or small. Like I'm still growing, I'm still learning. And what can it do to hurt? Like I know maybe my demographic right now is not going to see that magazine or even their demographic is going to even know me, but you never know if that's going to open doors or not. And so I said, sure, why not? And we went with it and was able to get our bags in and have this amazing interview. Nobody I knew knew who the magazine was and it's fine. But once I posted it out there, there was this instant feeling of achievement from others to, to feel like this brand has starting to make traction, even though internally I know that it's not that big of a deal. And again, that's that mindset of like, not celebrating little wins, right? And I have to say, okay, so these are all little small wins because they didn't know who you were and they wanted to feature you, okay? So stop, you know, downplaying these little things. And it led to other interviews and it led to other opportunities. Like they're not major things. Again, that's my little <laughs> downplaying but, mindset. But little milestones, like you said. But these are little milestones, yeah. So you just never know. You just have to take a little bit of risk as long as it aligns with your brand value and where you're going and your demographic. As long as that's still within the path, why Why not? Don't hold out for big things. You know, you, you're never going to get there if you keep saying no to these little things. I think that's the, the lesson that I learned is just being open and considering everything, no matter what. Even if you're a high-end luxury brand and you think that it should be a certain way because luxury brands have established a certain status. But again, 
I am in between, you know, the affordable luxury and the high-end luxury. And so I need to think differently. I need to create my own space and set my own path. And I think that's what every entrepreneur should do. Know that you're different. Know that you can stand out. Always have faith in that. And that will keep you consistent. And you always should, right? Because your path isn't the other brand's path, right? Your brand is your path. So exactly. Okay. So, child, last question. All right. Let's say I'm a new luxury brand. I have under 500 followers across our social medias, and I'm selling a fashion product, whether it's hats, whether it's handbags, whether it is clothing. How do I start marketing online? What what comes to mind that you would tell this new brand owner on how to start marketing your luxury brand across social media or in general in a digital space? I would give you the same advice that everyone gives me that I'm trying very hard to do is put yourself out there. I, I think the way the marketplace have changed so much over the years is really about being true to yourself and who you are and being authentic and just people are more involved in the brands than ever before because of social media. You can get insights into everyone's journey. Like everyone loves interacting with celebrities, personal lives. Everyone loves knowing who the CEO and the founders are. Everyone wants to find something relatable to them. The more you do that, the more you get that one-on-one interaction or connection that you probably wouldn't be able to get if you just did paid ads, do the Mm -hmm. traditional route that we've always done prior to social media, right? And it's, it's funny that I'm saying it because I get that advice and I'm trying so hard to do because again, I'm dealing with my own, you know, the way I was raised to be very humble, not to talk about myself, but yet I have a brand that I need to talk about myself. I need to put myself out there and says, Hey, I'm Chow. I'm the designer. I'm here. Follow me. Listen to what my story is, why I'm doing this. And so there's a, there's a struggle just for me internally, right? Cause I don't want to feel like I'm being overly it feels you don't want to just talk you just want you want to lead with action and i get it especially my asian background i could under i could relate to that completely right you don't want to over talk about it but you're right you absolutely have to do it yes so i'm embracing that a bit more and i could see that it it's it's showing traction um i just recently did a bunch of social media videos of me talking about different stories that inspired me and how I started and things like that, that I will start to release. <laughs> and it's, it's fun. It's, it was, it was a good experience. And of course now I'm still working up the, you know, the plan on how to do that. So I don't feel overwhelmed by it. And mm-hmm. to be honest, when I first did my brand story and we filmed it, it was, it was fine. When I first saw the first edit, I got teary-eyed like because it was such a personal story and I'm and I couldn't figure out why I was feeling so vulnerable and why I was feeling so emotional about it I was like what is wrong with me this is a story that I've told people so many times anyone who would ask me I've been so open about it but now it's on a video and I'm like feeling scared for a Mm -hmm. moment and my husband pointed out he goes because now you don't have a choice of who you get to share the story with. Now it's out in the open for the world to see and whoever clicks on it could watch it at any time. And I think it's hard for founders who are so more on the mindset of creating things to put out in the world that they're not used to also putting themselves out. And you know how the world of social media, it could be cruel, but at the same time, you also have to realize there's going to be acceptance, there's going to be positivity, and you're just going to have to believe and, and filter through that because you're doing what you believe in and nothing else should alter that. And it's hard, but again, you have to be strong. It's not an easy path as an entrepreneur, but you just have to keep passion and keep doing it and embracing the challenges emotionally, mentally, and whatever else that comes and that's the path of the entrepreneur right like you're gonna get criticism you can't please everyone and the one thing that i realized is like if you speak to everyone you speak to no one right you're gonna have to choose a side on certain certain values certain ideologies and just stick with it 
Mm -hmm. right? Understand the right people will come and associate with you and people aren't meant for your brand. They won't. Exactly. That's the journey. That's the journey. This has been amazing, Charlie. The we dive deep into just like what it takes for a mom and a, a, <laughs> a, a working mother to really build a brand, what it takes to dive into the luxury space and the mindset. Because a lot of this is mindset when the entrepreneurial endeavor itself, but also all being confident that you could run a luxury brand. Like, why not you? Why not? Why not? Yes. Yes. Just say that. Why not you? I remember uh, one quick story. Mm -hmm. When I moved to LA to pursue acting full time, I got my first audition and I walked into the room and there was a sea of Asian girls, right? And I was like, what the heck am I doing here? I was a a big fish in a little pond in Seattle because usually there's only like a four or five of us, right? And now I'm competing with like 20, 30 girls. I sat down and I told myself, I moved here for a reason. I'm different. I'm from the Northwest. I was raised differently. I got this. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. And I nailed that audition and I booked my first job immediately. And my agent was really, really happy. But it's your mindset. You just have to be confident in that. And no one can tell you otherwise. And you have to go in there and say, I can do this. I'm different. I've come up with something that's amazing and not everyone's going to love it. It's, it's fine, but there's going to be that core group. That's going to love it to death. And you're just going to make them really happy. And that's all that matters. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, where can everyone find you online? They can visit my website uh, where they can see all the bags and everything that I'll be doing on www.chowscience.com or they can follow us on social media and keep up with all our little posts and updates. Well, amazing. It's a great conversation. And thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really had a great time. (laughs) I know I went overboard, but this is definitely a great conversation. So (laughs) hope all the listeners got some value from that. And until next time, talk to you soon.